Hey everyone, it's Terry Allen, and today we are speaking with a beautiful lady that has dealt with the fibroid issues. What we're going to be talking about at the No More Secrets uh, Women's Discussion on Fibroids. So I wanted to get a real person, a testimonial that has been through uh, what we're going to discuss. So this is Melvina Young. Melvina, introduce Hello, yourself. Hello. Nope. So Melvina, introduce, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, my name is Melvinie Young, and I am a writer for Hallmark Cards here in Kansas City, Missouri. I uh, have one daughter, uh, and I've been married for about 30 years. Okay. And so I really want to thank you for having me come to talk about this really important issue today, Terry, because it's something that heavily affects a lot of women, particularly women of color, yes. and most specifically African-American women, and it's something that we don't talk about a lot. So I think that what you're doing, trying to invite women into this forum to come and hear about an experience that is so common to us, yes. but so little Secret. spoken about, that we feel so secretive about, because obviously anything that happens to our bodies feels very, very personal. Right. And so when things are happening to you that uh, make you feel out of control with your body, where do you go and, and what do you do? And so I want to thank you so much. Thank you for um, thank you for sharing for agreeing to to host this forum. Okay, so we're going to start with um, what were your first symptoms? The very you know take us back. Mm -hmm. So uh, as I said earlier, I'm 55 years old, and okay. this all happened some time ago. But when I was 19 years old, I started bleeding quite heavily every day hemorrhaging mm. every day. Mm. I mean, it was to the point where I couldn't go anywhere without knowing where the bathrooms were. And I was always packing at least a pack of pads with me because it was the only kind of protection I could use. Other things just got sort of forced out of my body right. by the force of the flow. Yeah. And of course, because of the way we're taught to um, take care of ourselves and respect our bodies when we start to menstruate, I mean, we're taught it's very important to hide right. um, when you're having yeah. a, your period. Um, and it's very important to be clean, to make sure that there's no smell. And these are all things that we learn as parts of, of being women um, because our society is not very comfortable with the idea of women's reproductive mm -hmm. bodies and our health. Um, and so when something like fibroids happens to you where those rules don't apply, where it's hard to keep clean, right. um, for instance, when I was 19 years old, I might go through seven, eight, nine overnight pads in a day. And the overnights are the... The overnights are the super heavy-duty yeah, ones that are supposed to take you about... See. Yeah. Exactly. Take you through seven hours or so. And I might go through one of those in an hour. So my first symptom was this just prolific, heavy, insane bleeding. Wow. And I remember um, going to work and sitting in meetings and just being terrified that when I Got stood up... up um, there was either going to be a mess on the back of my clothes or there might even be a mess that came down on the floor. And um, it began to be a very emotional process, too. And that's too. so young at 19 to yes, deal with that. It was very, and that's, I, that's new womanhood. You know? It is. Mm -hmm. It is. And so, uh, you know, there was also this aspect of, you know, is something wrong with me? Is it supposed to happen to women? Because nobody talked about it. Yeah. And so I actually bled like that from the time I was 19 to the time I was 26 years old. Thought it was normal? I did not think it was normal. I was going to the doctor trying to find answers. And so I had several procedures. I had several DNCs. 
Um, uh, they had me on crazy loads of birth control pills, and they really could not figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind, this was the 80s before okay. a lot of the advances that technology. have technology that have luckily been made yes, to help women yes, out. Yes. And so when I was about uh, 22 years old, I went to the doctor and I begged for a hysterectomy. That's how devastating this was. I mean, I had gotten to the point where even picking up the phone to call the doctor was such an emotional thing because I knew there weren't going to be any answers. Mm -hmm. Luckily, when I was uh, 22 years old and begging, please just, you know, release me from this. Just let me have surgery. And the doctors would say, no, because you're too young. You might want to have a family. True. Well, so I was so consumed or fibroids consumed my life so fully. I couldn't even think ahead to right. that. All I you was thinking was immediate, immediate relief now. and make the bleeding stop. Because by the way, I had dropped to like 95 pounds. So I looked really ill. And on top of that, the doctors were telling me, we're not even sure how you're walking around, young lady. Your hematocrit looks like you have been in a serious car accident. Mm. And if it drops lower, you are going to end up in the hospital. We're going to have to transfuse you. So what happened was I went to university and I chanced on this brilliant doctor. He was uh, fresh out of the University of Chicago. And he said, I think we might have a fibroid issue, but they couldn't find any because the fibroid was in the top of my uterus, in the fundus of the uterus, and pushed so far up, it was extending up into my abdominal cavity. And so all those times when I had those procedures and they didn't see anything, it was because that big grapefruit fibroid was kind of hiding yeah. and hiding. And so I had what was called a hysteroscopic myomectomy, mm -hmm. where they went in and they used a laser to um, cut the fibroid off from its blood sources. And for the first time in seven years, I stopped bleeding. And he saved my fertility. Because when I wanted to have a daughter some years later, I was able yeah. to do that. Now, um, unfortunately, the fibroids came back, yeah. as they tend to do. Mm -hmm. And I had all different kinds. There were various kinds, some that extend off the uterus, and some that are embedded in the uterine right, walls. Right, right. And I had the bleeding problems all over again. How, how many years later? Um, I would say probably about um, eight years later, because I did have fibroids all, all through my pregnancy too, but they didn't complicate the pregnancy too much. I did have to have a cesarean section because I couldn't have a vaginal birth with the fibroids. fibroids. But they were manageable. But then they came screaming back about eight to ten years later, and it was about the time we were considering a second baby. Um, but it was apparent that that was not going to happen. Right. There were just too many of them. They were too large. And, um, and so I did opt to have a hysterectomy. At that time, I was 39 years old. So you went through this for 19 years. 19 years of my life. Um, carrying this burden, yes. this taboo, as right. we call it, carrying this. And at this time, doctors really weren't, were they not looking? Um, you know, how do you, tell me about that. How do you feel? Did, were doctors maybe kind of overlooking looking your complaints? And kind um, of pushing it off as this is just your menstrual cycle, or were they really investigating, researching, trying to find? Well, I was really lucky. Like I said, I was at a university where the doctors were really very investigative. Okay. They wanted to figure this out. But before I got to the university, right. when I was a younger woman, I did get a lot of pushback from doctors. I would call doctors' offices and say, I'm having this horrific bleeding. And they would just sort of treat me like I was being hysterical, and I'm using that word. Um, on purpose. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, 
And I remember one time uh, going to a doctor's appointment when I happened to be having this forceful bleeding and she was examining me on the table and she said, oh my goodness, we've got a problem. And I said, yes, this is the problem I've been trying to tell you about. Um, And so then that led to, like I said, this series of of DNCs. And, um, but it was really only I got, I I was lucky enough to go to the University of Wisconsin and I was lucky enough and and it did take a lot of luck. Uh, to go into to just the right doctor who had just graduated wow. with this um, expertise wow. and he was able to identify it and take care of me. And he was also the man who um, delivered my daughter. And then when the fibroids came back years later, I lived in Missouri. I went all the way back to Wisconsin to this man to see if we could save uh, my fertility. Mm-hmm. And he was the one to say, no, it's not going to happen. Wow. That, what a blessing. Mm-hmm. Wow. So most times when, you know, you're diagnosed or the doctor tells you, you know, these are your options, you know, like for me, it was, you know, you need to have a hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like to me, you kind of had to make that decision on your own. How did that feel? I mean, what did that feel like? What did that look like? Well, you know, as I said, when I was 22 years old, I went to these doctors and I said, can you please make this stop? Um, and would have happily accepted a hysterectomy mm. at that point. Of course, it was a decision that was under duress. It yeah. was not a decision that I would have made about my fertility and my ability right. for my children had I been healthy. You want it done. I wanted it done. <laughs> That's how devastating this was. And so uh, the second time when I was 39 years old and I had a two-year-old daughter and my husband and I were talking about having a second child because we had always said if we had one, we would have two. two. Um, the second time that that happened, um, I went to the doctor and he said, it's looking pretty bad in there. Um, and so I immediately opted to have a hysterectomy because I knew that a pregnancy would be extremely high risk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was just not something that I was willing to put myself or my family through. And I already had a beautiful, healthy daughter. But what I can say is that these are very hard, devastating decisions for women to have to make. Yes, it is. Um, because, you know, some women define themselves through whether they can mother or not. Right. And um, I, I would say that for me personally, because I had a daughter and because I was a teacher at the time, I had lots of ways of mothering. Right. Um, but, you know, it should be every woman's right to have health. Absolutely. So that she can make the right decisions for her, whether she wants to have one child, no children, or ten. It should be every woman's right to have access to this information so that they can have the kind of reproductive health that right. they need. Quality health care so healthcare. they can make educated, good decisions, not decisions under duress, you know. Uh, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. So uh, with that being said, so what advice would you give a woman that may be going through this uh, maybe not even as extreme, but is going through this and having a hard time making a decision. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do now. Or you know, some women find out they have fibroids and that's it. Mm-hmm. They're afraid to, to research anymore. That, that's that's it. I'm just gonna keep them. So, what kind of advice would you give them now that you've walked, did that walk? You know what? I, I would give advice on a couple of levels. One sure. would be the personal level. One is to reach out to your sisters. Because what I found is that any time I've ever disclosed about fibroids, the person I was talking to would either say, me too, my sister too, my mother too. But don't be alone in this. Right. Don't feel like this is something that you have to carry on your own because now there are communities of women and there are ways of communicating with each other to support one another. Absolutely. That's the first step to getting the support you need, the emotional support you need. But the next thing is to educate yourself. 
you can go out to any number of medical sites now, reputable medical uh-huh. sites. Now, yeah, don't yeah. go to WebMD where they tell you everything's right, going to kill you. Right, right, right. You can go to the Mayo, for instance, mayo.com mm-hmm. um, or org to figure out um, what your symptoms are. And they will also give you advice on where to reach out to find experts who can help with fibroids because fibroids don't necessarily mean the end of your fertility. Correct. Especially right. if you take care of it early. There is so when I had to have my hysterectomy or I'm sorry, my myomectomy yeah. um, the first time, it was seen as an advance above what had been an option, which was basically hysterectomy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now there are so many other procedures that aren't even necessarily as invasive as what I had, so you don't have okay. to be off work that long. Right, right, um, right. So I would advise women to educate yourself on what your condition is. First of all, find a good, compassionate doctor who listens to you. And I know that sometimes that that can be a little bit of a stress and a strain, but it's so important to have a doctor who sees you as a whole person who understands they're not just treating these little um, cysts in your uterus. They are treating a whole woman who has cares and concerns about her body, about her fertility, about her ability to have children, about her sexuality, about her relationship with her partner. Absolutely. Um, And the other thing that I would say is that when you reach out to friends for support, and when you reach out to the experts for information, that's where the fear can stop. Yes. And so the stigma starts to break up when we understand that this is not something that we cause to happen. It's just that this is the way that our body is responding to something. Absolutely. Yeah. And there is help out there so that you don't have to do this alone. And um, you don't have to feel like a failure as a woman, as I know some women do, sadly. And you don't have to feel like it's the end of anything. Right. It's the beginning it is. of good health. We thank you so much for having this talk. And you guys, she is so, she's absolutely right on everything she said. Make sure you get a doctor that you trust and that, uh, like she said, sees you as a whole person and is compassionate and cares about your well-being. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Yes. No matter what pops into your head, don't think that it's crazy question or a stupid question. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to ask your doctor. And, you know, piggybacking on that, Carrie, I would remind us all that we are our own best health advocate. That's right. It's your body. Nobody's going to know it like you. So as you were saying, ask the questions that arise for you. If you feel it, ask it. Even if you feel like, oh, this might just be me. Well, it's your body. So if it is just you, the doctor still needs to know it. But trust me when I say it won't be just you. Mm -hmm. Lots of women are experiencing this and, and hopefully... Um, this forum is the beginning of ways to talk about this more right. openly and for women to be able to reach out to each other and reach out for information as right. well. So thank you for watching. Please go to our Facebook page, No More Secrets, Women's Discussion on Fibroids. Like the page, follow the page. The event is coming up uh, here very soon. Uh, July is Fibroid Awareness Month, so we will have two events this July. So please go like the page and follow us. And thank you again. I'm Terry Allen.